This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hi, everybody. I'm Freddie Bell, and welcome to New Beginnings. We'll talk to Libel Sternbach this week. Also, Joe McKenzie is here. We'll look at what happened this week and also share today's words to the wise. You're listening to New Beginnings, and our program is underway right now. And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. Have you ever been scammed out of money? Have you gone to your checking account or your savings account and you realize that there's not as many funds in there as you thought? Well, Jay Hapla, the Associate State Director for Deverly RP in Minnesota, is really working hard to help you to keep more of your hard-earned money. Jay, what are you seeing? Uh, what's the, the imposter scam? Is that is that one coming back again? Oh, it's going round and round, Freddie. I don't think it ever goes away, but right now is the perfect time for criminals to be using a few different kinds of imposter scams just because of the way the calendar works and what folks are dealing with right now. And you're right, you know, there's maybe never been a more important time for people to be focused on their on their bank account and their savings and trying to make their money last. Um, we certainly don't want these scammers to get their hands on it. So how are you addressing this? How do you stop scams? What is, uh, how does AARP direct this work? Yes, sir. So we run a program called the Fraud Watch Network, and folks can call our toll-free number and get help navigating through all the different type of scams that they see. And then when people are victimized and they've lost money, we can help them figure out where to get help. But with all that data we collect from the thousands of people that call our uh, hotline every month, then we get the information we can share with your listeners and the public and help everyone avoid all of these scams. So why do you call it the perfect time of the year for scams right now? Well, there's a few things just going on in our world that make sense for the scammers to take advantage of, and I'll list them here and explain how they work. Um, Back in September, the federal government stopped sending COVID tests for free through the mail, and some scammers have figured out, well, they could just replace those advertisements online with their own type of free fake ads that say you can get a free COVID test. Um, but those fake ads, they just collect people's personal information and oftentimes their payment information as well. So what? here's what folks need to know. If you want to get reimbursed for your COVID test, if you need one, talk to your insurance company, talk to your healthcare provider. And if you're going to go online and search, make sure you're on a website that ends with .gov. That's gov the government website and they'll explain to you how you can get reimbursed for your your covid test but don't just be clicking on those random ads you see on the internet so that's just a current event that makes sense for the scammers and another uh, type of imposter scam happening right now it's really they're impersonating utility companies banks and online retailers like amazon and they're what I've seen lately is that these these companies, these legitimate companies, are setting out alerts with advice for their customers. They're telling us all to be vigilant against fake payment requests. So these are common. And your bank and utility companies are not going to send you a request for payment with gift cards, wire transfers, or those apps like PayPal, Venmo, and Zelle. That's the scammers out there sending messages trying to get paid by impersonating those companies. 
And then also they say ignore the urgent emails and tests that say your account has been compromised or it's been charged. Those are just scare tactics by imposters and scammers. And those emails often are text messages say, contact us and we'll help you sort this out. But it's really an imposter. And then when it comes to your online accounts, we want folks to use multi-factor authentication. That's some big words, but um, the way it's when you try to log in on your online account and then you have to get a text message or an email to access your account, that's good protection against scammers and hackers getting into your account. But what the scammers do is they call their victims and they want to get that code because they're trying to log into your account. So don't be handing out those codes over the inter- or over the phone when someone calls you, that's for sure. Oh, my gosh. Jay Happala with us this morning talking about how to protect ourselves against these imposter scams. Uh, Jay, I got one for you. Uh, and I'm, I know I'm not supposed to call you with the, this information, but uh, there's one on Facebook that I just noticed the other day that said that I may have used copyrighted photos. And to click <laughs> here to... Uh, make sure that we're protected and that I don't have to pay money or something like that to uh, to protect my to protect my account and to keep my account from being closed down permanently. Well, okay, no, nothing's and, happened to my account yet. Okay, that's good. So, how'd that make you feel when you saw that alert? I was concerned. I was really sure, concerned sure. because you know, with our KMOJ account, we have several photos, and even on my personal one, there's several photos out there. Right. And so that's the number one tactic for these scammers is they have to get an emotional response out of you. So, And it sounds like you reacted properly. Sure, you were concerned and you're thinking, am I in trouble because I've used some photos that I wasn't supposed to use? And that's the first step that the scammers need is someone to get emotional because it short circuits our better judgment. So when you feel that that uh, uneasiness or concern because you see something on Facebook or you see something in your email account, that's a good red flag to know this might be a scam. You know, these are some smart people. Why don't they just get a real job? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I'm with you, but it, it isn't going to stop. So we all got to support each other and share this information with your family, friends. Keep everyone safe. Do you have a real scam number that we can call if we'd like to report a scam or get more information? <laughs> Well, I get plenty of reports myself, that's for sure. Our number where folks can call and get help is 877-908-3360. Jay Happala, Associate State Director for Community Engagement for AARP Minnesota. Jay, I can't thank you enough for being with us. Thanks for being here. Likewise. Thanks, Freddie. Have a good one. Okay, you too. In our never-ending effort to find valuable information and insight in all areas, it's time to bring in Cassie Crandall with this week's Three Things. Thank you, Freddie. Happy New Year, everybody. We're a couple weeks into 2023. Can you believe it? Now, I bet by now, eh, you might have slacked off on your resolutions a little bit if you had any in the first place, uh, Cassie. I think most of us, when we think about a New Year's resolution, we think about, oh, I need to lose weight or I need to eat better or I need to exercise more and those kinds of things. But if those aren't for you, there, you know, there are things like, hey, you know, I'm going to try not to swear as much or I'm going to try to be a better person, be more polite, be more understanding, be more tolerant, maybe work on my patience. 
That's a tough one. Just a little food for thought. Okay, my thing number two this week. What's happening in Minnesota in January in the winter? Some of us embrace it and get out there and do things, and some of us hibernate. I think that's more my speed. I like the hibernation. In any case, if you like to get out there in the winter, here are a couple things going on. Going on through January 29th, the U.S. Pond Hockey Championships are taking place at Lake Nokomis in Minneapolis. Just check it out online for dates and times. And, of course, the St. Paul Winter Carnival is coming up. It's the 137th annual Winter Carnival. Most activities will be in downtown St. Paul, of course, with some events being at the state fairgrounds. And that is happening, let's see, through Sunday, February 5th. Oh, and most events are free. Again, that's the St. Paul Winter Carnival. And last but not least, here is my thing number three. It's a quote, and it kind of goes along with the New Year's resolution thing I was talking about earlier. Be a hand that reaches out. Be a smile for those who have no reason to smile. Be a light for those who live in darkness. And those are my three things this week. Thank you, Freddie. Thanks so much, Cassie. We'll talk to you again next week. Our national day this week is a throwback to this past Monday when the nation stopped to honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., honoring a clergyman, activist, and civil rights movement leader. He would have been 94 this week. He's best known for his role in advancing civil rights during nonviolent civil disobedience, and he's become a national icon in the history of American progressivism. A gifted and friendly student, King attended Morehouse College, earning a B.A. in sociology. Combining a passion for racial equality with a rediscovered spirituality, King then attended Crozer Theological Seminary, following in his father's and grandfather's footsteps, earning a Bachelor's of Divinity. His I Have a Dream speech has gone down in many history books as one of the greatest speeches ever given. Brutally honest with a call to action and a vision of hope, King's speech resonated throughout the nation. I'm Freddie Bell and we'll be right back. Get the most from AARP, including advice and support to help you care for your loved ones. Fraud prevention with tips and tools to help protect you from scams and fraud, including a free helpline if you've been targeted, a scam tracking map, and watchdog alerts via email through the AARP Fraud Watch Network. If you don't know AARP, you don't know ARP. More information at AARP.org. RippleConnects.com, connecting you to your better future. Hi, I'm Joe McKenzie, founder of Ripple Connects and trainer of Ripple Effect Networking. Establishing and maintaining a strong professional network is critical to you and your organization's success. My techniques will help you stand out so you can create new sales opportunities, develop and sustain meaningful connections, grow your franchise or small business. If you want to schedule Joe McKenzie to speak to your organization, email me, joe.mckenzie at RippleConnects.com. Your network plus my techniques equals more success for you. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Hi again, everyone, and welcome back to New Beginnings. And joining us right now is Mr. Joe McKenzie. He is the founder and the heart and soul of Ripple Connects. He turns candidates into contenders. If you'd like to reach him by telephone, you can at 763-438-1621. 
Numbers the same even into the new year. And uh, you can go to rippleconnects.com. Joe McKenzie, you still, are you still turning candidates into contenders? I am. I certainly am. And anybody that, uh, any age, but uh, I, I enjoy the work because I want to draw the greatness out of people. It's within them, and sometimes it's just uh, a real pleasure to work with people to understand their transferable skills, their existing network, some of their experiences that they can uh, utilize to uh, reinvent or recalibrate their careers. And as we're going into 2023, you're talking about reinventing and recalibrating. Some people are looking at new opportunities, maybe even changing careers. Can you talk about the challenges of changing careers, no matter at what age, particularly if you're in the second half, whatever that means, of your life? Absolutely, Freddie, and I've been there. Uh, I have felt that I have this kind of this self-limiting thinking process going on. Well, I've always done this. How could I ever go into that that industry? And I think... The challenge remains sometimes it's tough for us to get out of our own heads to even just have the courage to say, you know, I've been in the tech industry for so long. Now I want to switch to the nonprofit or maybe I want to go into the education industry. There's so many things that um, that hold us back from even just mentioning that, that I think that's the toughest part about changing careers is that self-limiting thinking process that we may have. And really where I want to go with this with you today, Freddie, is that sometimes we discount our transferable skills, the skills that transfer from one industry to another, or we discount our life experiences. Sometimes when you're uh, in a situation we have to take over a job in another industry, some of our own life experiences help us to uh, be that, that, that employee that they've always wanted. And so, you know, that's biggest challenge, I think, is just our self-limiting thoughts that we have in our head, but knowing that we have so much to offer people that we can change careers. But it is, I think you've done something for 30, 40 years, it's more difficult than, you know, at the beginning of your career when you're first starting out in your first five to 10 years of changing. It's really interesting, everyone. We're talking with Joe McKenzie, and we're talking about uh, really charting the plan for the second half of your career. And you said this change can happen at any age. What's so challenging about going a different tack than the one that you've been on for 10, 15, 20 years? I, I really think it's, uh, we get set, you know, maybe set in our ways. Uh, maybe the world has told us that we we're always supposed to be this person in this role. Maybe we were reflections of our resume and our resume is basically a, a document that says that where you've been and what you did, but in today's world, Freddie, with the, the you know technology and the way to take online courses for certifications, uh, to, to, to visit with your own network to talk about what you're looking to do or your transferable skills that you know you have, but what if someone tells you about a transferable skill that you never thought you had? And uh, I think that 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 first step is is critical, and maybe it's scary. It is scary for many, but I think it's important that we're not always meant to do the same thing at, at all, all decades of our career. So how do you go about finding out what skills that you have could be transferable from maybe being a librarian to being a technical engineer? Well, I think you, you stop to think about what, what you accomplish each day and, and what, 
what skills did you need? Did you need writing skills? Did you, your communication skills, speaking skills? Did you need analytic skills to, um, problem solving skills? When you start breaking it down, Freddie, from, okay, you're, you're in the tech industry to being in the, you know, a, a librarian. When you start breaking it down to more about how you went about it, you start to realize that most industries need someone that can solve problems, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you've honed your problem-solving skills, why couldn't it transfer to another industry? If you've honed your communication skills, that includes listening, verbal, written. If you've honed those for so many years, every industry needs a good, effective communicator, right? That's correct. Well, there, that, that's that first step that you take. You start breaking it down to what, you're, what you've really become accomplished at. And you realize that most industries need similar traits and, and experiences. And I think that I think that is how you uncover your own transferable skills. But Freddie, you may have someone that has known you a long time and say, you know, you're you're one of the most effective communicators I've ever met. Or you're you're a person that boy really enjoys collaborating on a team to solve complex problems. And the input that you bring helps the rest of the team solve that problem. Now, what industry would turn down someone that knows how to work on a a complex problem on a team? I don't think there is an industry out there that would say, no, we don't want a skill like that. See, break it down. Do you talk about to yourself and talk about to your network what you do each day, each day and how you go about it. And now you're talking transferable skills. And that's when you start to realize doors start to open. Your creativity starts to kick in and you start communicating to your, your network and your bench of advocates by saying, Hey, I was a great communicator in this industry. Maybe the nonprofit industry needs uh, a communicator like me. And that's just one example. So breaking it down will allow you to know what skills will transfer for you. You casually mentioned your bench of advocates. What role does your bench of advocates play in making and helping you to change careers? Well, I think there's a couple different ways. One of them is that they're going to be the most honest people with you to, to, that know you, those bench of advocates. And they're going to want to make sure that they, they advocate for you into the right industry. So if they have industry knowledge, they're certainly going to make you aware of it or reinforce what you think you, you had. But it could be where that industry, you didn't realize it was that a big a priority. You know, you start thinking about the industries, the tech industries, or just, you know, the, the, the shipping and commerce and how many changes that go on with from brick and mortar to, to uh, just getting packages to people's front doors. You know, you start to realize the skills that are needed that, that maybe if you've never been in that industry, someone says, you know, your your ability to prioritize every morning and 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 get complete what you need to get done is what that industry needs. That's where those bench of advocates kind of reinforce or even just, you know, give you more clarity on how valuable those skills are in those industries. And that starts with conversations with the people that you know and trust. And they're going to be the ones that give you that honest feedback and uh hopefully some action steps from it. Maybe they connect you to someone in one of those industries that you can continue that conversation. So bench of advocates equal invaluable resources when, when changing a career. So speak specifically as we wind up to two groups of people, our baby boomers and those who are transitioning from college to the work world. 
what are two things or three things that we need to consider as we talk about changing careers and starting a new one? Well, I think with the college, uh, new college grads or someone that's new in the industry, you know, make sure that you look back in some of your, your, your volunteer or leadership or even in the field work to understand that maybe that uh, can augment some of your degree work. If you had a leadership position and you had to communicate, you had to speak, you had to write or work on a complex problem with the team, make sure that you always include your volunteer, your senior project, and some of the work that you did in the field. I was a, a head soccer coach at a, at a Twin Cities uh, high school, and that allowed me to be a really good coach. But I didn't know that I could transfer that at the age of 22 into where I was trying to go. That's for the, the younger generations entering the workforce. So for the baby boomers, just looking back on e- what you do each day, but also make sure that uh, you do include your leadership, your volunteer work that is completely outside what you do each day. That might even be a source of a direction that you might want to, might want to travel is that you look at your entire body of work, and that includes your volunteer work, your unpaid work experience. All right. Joe, we got to leave it right there. You do some fine work at Ripple Connects. Yes, we do. We turn candidates into contenders. You're listening to New Beginnings, and our show continues right now. Hi, everyone. I invite you to follow me on Instagram at Freddie Bell Radio. Plus, you can join in the conversation on Twitter at Freddie Bell. It happened this week. In 1885, LaMarcus Adna Thompson received a patent for the roller coaster. In 1947, Baseball Hall of Famer Josh Gibson died at the age of 35. By belting nearly 800 career home runs, he became known as the Babe Ruth of the Negro Leagues. In 1964, the British invasion of the U.S. began with the release of the Beatles' first album, Meet the Beatles. In 1980, President Jimmy Carter announced the United States Olympic team would not participate in the Summer Olympic Games in Moscow. The move was announced to protest the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. In 1984, actor and Olympic swimmer Johnny Weissmuller died at the age of 79. He is best remembered for his role as, you say it with me, Tarzan. In 1993, actress Aubrey Hepburn died at the age of 63. She starred in several popular films, including Breakfast at Tiffany's and My Fair Lady. And in 2016, Catherine Smith became the NFL's first female full-time coach. The Buffalo Bills hired her as a special teams quality control coach. It happened this week, and I'm Freddie Bell. Introducing the New Beginnings Podcast, featuring career, health, and financial information for people on the go. To get your fresh start, visit freddiebell.com slash newbeginnings. Check out the new New Beginnings Podcast today.
The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, Minnesota Family Investment Program, MFIP, and WIC Nutrition, along with other available programs, can help you buy food while budgets are tight. SNAP, MFIP, and WIC benefits can help families access additional support as well, including health screenings, emergency assistance, nutrition education, and employment training. Apply online at applymn.dhs.mn.gov. This message is powered by the Minnesota Department of Health. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. You're listening to New Beginnings, New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell, and now it's time to talk finance with Libel Sternbach. Libel is an Amazon best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel, hello. Can you explain the changes to RMDs with the Secured 2.0 Act and specifically the age increase from 73 in 2023 and 75 in 2033, 10 years from now? Yeah, so one of the um, one of the big changes in, that was made to the Secure Act is that the, the age that you're required to take your distributions from your retirement accounts, which historically was, you know, 70 and a half, and then the original Secure Act bumped that up to age 72, that has gotten another bump. And that's something that, you know, I've been talking about for a while. And if you're on my email list, um, or if you've been on any of my webinars, you know, I've been telling you that this is coming down the pike. Well, they finally made it happen. Um, and I think it's, you know, long past due that they've done it. Um, so this is, this is a boon to investors. What this allows is that you don't have to start drawing down from your retirement savings, uh, until age 73 starting this year and then age 75 in the year 2033. I don't like the fact that they pushed that out to 2033 because that's essentially saying that, you know, there's a whole generation of retirees that are going to miss out and going to have to take those early RMDs. But it's still, you got to take your wins where you can. And it does seriously change up uh, some of the considerations when it comes to how we plan for retirement. That along with some of the other changes as well that I'm sure we'll get to. We're talking with Libel Sternbach this morning. And uh, for our listeners who don't know what we're talking about when I mentioned RMD, and I apologize, I shouldn't put out the uh, acronym before we said the actual term. Can you explain for everyone what that is? Yeah, so an RMD or required minimum distribution is basically Congress's way of making sure that you don't uh, use your retirement accounts as, you know, a personal piggy bank for the rest of eternity. That you can't, you can't, you know, grow money tax deferred without paying taxes on it forever. They want to know that you're going to take that money out and that they're going to be able to tax those dollars. So your money in your 401k, your traditional IRA, uh, 403Bs, you know, pretty much any kind of retirement account, even some annuities, they're, uh, they're going to require that you take that money out and they're going to take, is tell you how much you have to take out, uh, f- uh, from those accounts. And when that money comes out, you know, just like you got a tax deduction when you put the money in, when the money comes out, you're going to have to pay taxes on it as if it was ordinary income. Mm-hmm. So, that's, you know, a burden on retirees because, you know, let's say you only needed, you know, to pull out twenty or $30,000 every year to supplement your Social Security income. 
But comes along the IRS and says, no, you have to take out, you know, 4% the first year. And then, you know, it, it increases up to about 20%. And it's designed to make you drain your retirement savings. It's designed to make it so that your, your account balance is essentially zero by the time you die. Um, and so what ends up happening is, you know, that, that 20 or $30,000 that you're taking to supplement your social security or your pension, well, all of a sudden that starts increasing and it can increase dramatically way more than what you require. And that bumps up your tax bracket. You go from being, you know, in the 0% tax bracket to a much higher tax bracket, sometimes even higher than when you were working. Because of these required minimum distributions, which then affect your social security, right? Because that gets taxed at a higher rate. It affects everything. And so you really want to try to control that. So the fact that Congress gave us some additional time before we have to take RMDs is very helpful. But honestly, they should have, they should abolish it entirely. It's something that I've talked about. I'm on the record. I've been quoted in the media as advocating for this. I think that the fact that the secure, the original secure act eliminated the fact that, you know, it made it so that people inherit your account. They have to take RMDs within 10 years. They have to drain that account within 10 years. So why does Congress need to attach RMDs while you're still alive? They're going to get their chunk of change. They're going to get it at a higher tax bracket. So all they're doing is getting, you know, some upfront, uh, tax dollars in exchange for depleting everyone's retirement savings, which I think is, you know, really short sighted of Congress. And it's something that we as financial planners, as retirees, as investors, we have to make sure that we we are protecting ourselves from this so that we don't let Congress stick their grubby hands into our retirement <laughs> savings and drain it faster than we can support. So is there any chance that the genie can be put back in the bottle libel? Yeah, there there's it, you can't put the genie back in the bottle, but there's definitely things that we can do to help mitigate how much um, how much we're paying in taxes and retirement. And it all comes down to controlling what our income is in retirement. And RMDs is part of that. And the fact that we now have more time before we have to take those RMDs means that if we're strategic about where we're taking our income from in retirement, um, and that might mean, you know, deferring Social Security longer or maybe taking Social Security earlier so that, and then using our retirement accounts to supplement that income, uh, that may make, you know, all the difference so that by time we're taking those RMDs, it's never going to be higher than what we need for income um, or that we have enough, you know, tax free money, because when we convert that and pay taxes on it at a time that we choose, you know, so those years from when we stop working until we're required to take RMDs, we get to control how much income we're taking um, and we can, you know, possibly offset it with credits uh, or deductions or exclusions on our tax uh, tax return. So all of that is really important considerations when we're doing retirement planning. So, Libel, can you talk about the decrease in the penalty for not taking these RMDs? Is that something that will actually benefit retirees in your in your opinion? Yeah. So so this is a huge one. And this this was like the big, you know, question mark in all of our minds. I, I, in fact, I think most advisors kind of just ignored it because they assumed that it wasn't going to change. But when I saw people talking about this, when I saw, you know, lawmakers talking about the fact that they were considering changing the changing the RMD penalty. So if you don't take your requirement of distributions in order to, you know, incentivize people to take it, 
they said, well, if you don't take it, you're going to have to pay a 50% tax penalty, which essentially meant that, you know, okay, if you're even in the highest tax bracket, you're, you know, 37 or 39, if you include Medicare, um, you're paying, you know, so that's less than 40% that you're paying in taxes. Well, if you don't take your RMD and pay that 40%, you're going to have to pay 50% for not taking the RMD, right? So there was never an incentive to not take your RMD. Um, comes along the Secure 2.0 Act, and what it does is it changes that, and it says, no, if you do not take your RMDs, that penalty goes down to 25%, right? Which now all of a sudden, well, if you're living on, you know, 100, 150,000 a year, and your income is coming from taxable sources, you might be in that tax bracket anyways. Um, and so now all of a sudden you might actually make the decision to defer and say, well, you know what, I'm not taking an RMD this year because it's in my interest. I'll actually pay less in taxes by paying the penalty than by taking the income, right? That is, that's a potential calculation that can happen now. I think it really changes the calculus because going from 50% to 25% is a big deal. I think also the fact that if you correct your tax return, it goes down to 10%, also decreases decreases the, you know, the penalty, that pain point of, you know, uh, what happens if you screw up with your RMD. Uh, correcting a miss RMD used to be a little more complicated. Uh, now there's less complications. You have more time to go back and fix it. Uh, so I think that's huge. We still have to see, you know, kind of how the IRS comes out with their rules. But I think that this is going to be a huge game changer when it comes to, how we do retirement planning. I think a lot of software out there and a lot of the online tools, they're not built based on these rules. And these rules will make a significant change in, you know, the assumptions and the plans that these tools are going to spit out. So I think that, you know, it, it's a it's a bit of a game changer. A companion question to that. Can you also talk about the increase in catch-up contributions for certain types of retirement accounts in 2025? Yeah, so so one of the one of the kind of things that it, it, it's this is this is in line with what's been happening in the rest of the tax code, which actually makes me very hopeful for 2026, and I'll explain that in a second. Um, but what this makes me, you know, the tax code has been getting an update where it's inflation adjusted, right? It used to be that you got your tax brackets and they were fixed and you had your contribution limits and they were fixed to a certain dollar amount. And every few years, Congress would update it. But sometimes they didn't update it for 20 years, right? Contribution limits is one of those things that it would get periodic updates, but it didn't really keep pace with inflation. So the amount of money that you were able to contribute to your retirement accounts or the catch-up contributions when you reach age 50, you're able to contribute more. Um, those were not keeping pace with inflation. They were not keeping pace with people's needs. So one of the things that the Secure 2.0 Act does is it updates what those contribution numbers are, and it then inflation adjusts it so that Congress doesn't have to pass a law every year or every time to update that number to make it reflect reality of what it should be. It's just going to happen automatically. What I also like is it kind of like transfers control of that to the IRS, which makes things, you know, the IRS actually wants you to save for retirement. They actually want you to do things properly and, you know, they're not out to get you. Uh, it's really Congress who's out to get you. <laughs> um, and so that, that I like that, right? Well, do you have a report that we can access that talks about uh, the Secure Act 
Yeah, so on my website, if you go, I've got a uh, blog post, an article that I wrote on the Secure 2.0 Act where I dive into some more of these details and then what their impact is in terms of retirement planning. Also, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing some webinars and some more articles where we go into depth on some more of these different areas and how they affect retirement planning. Um, and just a sneak peek, um, we're working on a tool that will help you for Social Security and retirement planning, specifically from the context of the Secure 2.0 Act and how do we uh, what do you know? How can we stress test our our retirement plans and know what the right decisions are in light of these changes? As we prepare to go for this time uh, together, can you give us one thing to think about, uh, Libel? We have about thirty seconds. The number one thing, if you follow me right, you got everything comes. You got taxes is the number one thing that you can do to prepare your retirement that you can save money. It is the easiest way to save money and to prop up your retirement plan. So, you know, taxes, saving money on taxes is an extra penny back in your pocket. Um, and those pennies really add up. So the more that we can control our taxes and retirement and our working years, the more the more uh, sound footing will be financially. Wonderful. Join us next week as we explore how the SECURE Act changes the math on doing Roth conversions. And then we'll explain why your retirement plan might be out of date. Libel's website is Yields for You. That's yieldsforyou.com. Yields, the number four, the letter U.com. I'm Freddie Bell, and more New Beginnings is straight ahead. How about if we go to the lighter side right now on New Beginnings? Researchers from Harvard University have identified four common healthy eating patterns that can help reduce the risk of early death by up to 20%. Well, I'm kind of guessing that the four aren't the taco pattern, the french fry pattern, the burrito pattern, or the waffle pattern. In the U.K., a guy made a good living selling drugs from his house. He was understandably upset when the police decided to shut down a drug dealing ring in his neighborhood. When they parked a drug awareness van directly across from his house, it was the last straw. He marched right over to the cops, introduced himself, and berated them for their inconsiderate behavior, telling them they were putting him out of business. He even went so far as to tell them that they were forcing him to move his operation further down the street. The cop gave him a couple of days to get set up and then paid a visit to his new location. All things took a bad turn. Mortifying, that's what it was. Such a big party, friends, co-workers, and then you dump that drink. How can you live with being such a klutz? Who there will ever forget it? Take a deep breath. Stop obsessing because it probably wasn't as bad as you think. Research shows that far fewer people notice our mistakes than we believe. And those who do notice that we did something judge us less harshly than we could ever imagine. What's the best way to compliment someone you've just met? If you're not sure how to connect with someone you've just met, Robbie Samuel suggests you pay them a compliment about something they're wearing. It could be a jacket, a pair of sunglasses, jewelry, or anything you could consider peripheral gear. This kind of compliment acknowledges a choice that they made, something they could control. You start things off on good terms and you avoid being disrespectful or acknowledging something out of their control like their physical appearance or maybe even their name. 
And it happened 95 years ago this week. Three experimental television sets were installed in private homes in Schenectady, New York. Not that there was much to see. The test broadcast by General Electric and RCA was of a woman smoking, followed by a man playing a ukulele. The first home receivers had screens which were only one and a half inches square. Just for fun this week on New Beginnings. Introducing the New Beginnings Podcast, featuring career, health, and financial information for people on the go. To get your fresh start, visit freddiebell.com slash newbeginnings. Check out the new New Beginnings Podcast today. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, Minnesota Family Investment Program, MFIP, and WIC Nutrition, along with other available programs, can help you buy food while budgets are tight. SNAP, MFIP, and WIC benefits can help families access additional support as well, including health screenings, emergency assistance, nutrition education, and employment training. Apply online at applymn.dhs.mn.gov. This message is powered by the Minnesota Department of Health. As New Beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program, where we introduce the senior minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress. And before you get too busy starting to write, I had a longtime friend in Unity that often ushered at the burning bowl service. And he'd whisper to some people he knew well as they come forward. He said, don't bring a whole, what were they called, red chief tablets or those legal pads. Don't bring a whole book. This ceremony is most effective if you keep it to a simple thought and just a word or two. Not right an entire story of your life. So let's take a moment, center ourselves, invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Spirit of truth, at the very center of my mind and heart, I call upon your guidance. Help bring into my consciousness I'll bring into my feeling life any negation, anything that is holding me back, obstructing my confident walk forward into the new. Open my eyes, open my ears. Open my soul to behold whatever it is I need to release. And because I have faith in your presence, I have faith in your power within me. I trust. 
that you will reveal whatever I need to release to march forward into my higher good to help my life be a blessing for myself and for others. And now gently bring your awareness back, open your eyes, and consider, is there anything heavy on my heart? Is there forgiveness for myself, for another? A forgiveness of how communities, nations, the world in total, that I need to forgive, set free? Is there any cloud or confusion in my mind, in my thinking? Something I want to do over in life, to start again. Something in my life I wish to reboot. Is there anything in me that I need to release in order to do over, to begin again? Is there any thought coming up in your life where the new has approached you, a new opportunity? And you say, oh, been there, done that. And you discount the opportunity the possibility. We're preparing ourselves to be friends with the new, to allow it access in our thinking and our feeling. And sometimes we hold these old resistance. I've tried that before. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. We need to let that go to approach this day and this year. Not with the certainty, not being a know-it-all, but be willing to look at new possibilities, a new path before us, and have the courage to take that first step. So take a few moments to focus your thoughts to write down what has come to you, something you need to let go of. And I always add this caveat. When you ask the spirit of truth within you to open your eyes to what needs to change, don't be frustrated if it doesn't happen in the next two minutes. You're in a safe, powerful environment here at Unity among your Unity family. You've opened the door, cracked the door, to what you might possibly be willing to let go. And sometimes it takes a little time, a few days, and then the idea comes to you. Yes. I've been blocking 
this impossibility in my life. Yes, I need to be willing to try something new. It will come. You can trust the spirit of truth within you as your guide. So if you've completed your writing, then I invite you to come informally. There's no formal way to do this. Down the center aisle, return by the side aisles to your chair. And to release this, and I always say it sounds funny, but don't hold on to it or you're going to get burned. If something's come to you that you need to let go, don't ask me to pry it out of your hands. Freely let go. I also want to remind you that notice as we come together as a community, we build a greater and greater powerful flame because we're all individually coming with our willingness to forgive, to let go, to release, that creates a greater energy and helps each one of us to let go because we're doing this work not alone, but together. So I now take the symbolic light of our Christ candle just born anew on Christmas Day. And it becomes a power within us individually and as a community that transforms. The Christ within you says, whatever you're willing to forgive, to let go, to begin again, I'm with you. I am a transforming power that will set you free and walk the new path with you. You are now free to come forward and release those slips into the fire. Carlotta, as you leave, I'll give you a special little affirmative word you can meditate on. You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacy, the Senior Minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at unitysouth.org. And here are today's words to the wise. Appropriately, let freedom ring. Today's words to the wise, let freedom ring. That's our show for this week. And a special thanks to all of our guests, including Joe McKenzie, Leipel Sternbach, Jay Hampela from AARP Minnesota, and of course you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. Thank you for following us on Instagram and sending your tweets through Twitter. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm Freddie Bell saying that every day is a chance for a new beginning. We'll see you next time. Did you know that now you can see and hear Sunday morning services from Unity South Twin Cities? Search Unity South Twin Cities online and Facebook and catch the live stream Sunday mornings at 1030 on Facebook.com.
If you're ready to reinvent, recalibrate, or retool your career, Ripple Connects can help. Visit rippleconnects.com. We work one-on-one with our clients in a safe, collaborative fashion designed to significantly improve the likelihood of landing the ideal engagement. Take control of your job search and create your ideal future. Engage with Ripple Connects where we turn candidates into contenders. Go to rippleconnects.com.